Martin Haddock, what's going on, buddy? You're right, my friend. I'm good. Thank you. Busy. Are you? Same. John, how's it going? Oh, it's great. Things are going well. Haven't heard from Martin in a while, so it's great to have Martin on today. Well, it's only taken like six months to get him to connect on Skype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I was just saying, prior to, we were going to do this super, you know, super packed time, and we we're going to cover all this amazing stuff. But, you know, 45 minutes later, Martin finally gets on with us. So we got, you know, we got eight minutes. Eight minutes. Uh, Let's do it. Let's, Let's get this party going. <laughs> Uh, I can talk for my, my intro will be eight minutes long, so um, let's get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. What do you want to talk about, Martin? Anything you want, my friend. Mixed designs, um, topical sealers. No, I'm joking. Or oh, we could talk about how I'm obviously your ghost designer, Brandon. You I are. Make, I give it's you all amazing. the... I am, yeah. The erosion sinks came from me, your bolts, uh, hidden feet. If well, anybody's listening, Martin stuff. Haddock has invented a time machine. He goes back in time, implants, kind of like... Uh, what was that movie where you implant ideas in somebody's head? Inception. He goes back in time, implants ideas in my head. I have the idea, and then he does it after me, but it's because he has a time machine, and he went back in time, but right. he planted it in my subconscious that all this is possible. It's really amazing. We're living in the future right now. Correct. That's really cool part of my plan. <laughs> oh, well, it's good to have you back on. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, Thank you. you have anything yeah. fun going on? You got your mix there, finally. Maker Mix, Rad Mix is there. How's that going? Yeah, so we finally got all the mix in. Uh, Rad Mix Maker Mix, TBP. Uh, had it for oh, a couple of months now, I think it is. Uh, going really well. We personally used about uh, one and a half pallets of Rad Mix due to use another, oh, probably another pallet on our next few jobs we've got going. Um, you got to say something for your customers, it. man. You're, uh, you're using uh, well, all yes. I am, yeah. It's good. It it's so good. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't believe that it's legit different, I mean... You're using it for all your stuff now because you've tried it, and now you know. See, the thing is, I've got a, a bit of, I've got some stick for this on social media and, and forums, and people ringing me. Um, you know, like I'm some sort of sellout because you know I'm I'm now promoting a mix that I actually use to manufacture it. Not like I'm a salesman just going from one mix to another. No, this is this is you know we live and breathe this as a manufacturing business every day. So you know, it's just made our life easier. You know, keep it simple, stupid, you know, as the old saying goes. You know, I was listening to that. I talked about it in the last couple podcasts, but that David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me. And I'm still finishing. I'm still in the book. It's a pretty long audio book. But yesterday I was listening to a section. I called John afterwards. It was really interesting. He was talking about haters. He's got tons of haters, right? People never met him. People don't know him personally, never have interaction with him, but have nothing negative, but negative things to say about him online. They love to tear him down. The two things, which I, I've always believed to be true. Number one is they, they uh, celebrate his failures. Anytime something that he tries to do that doesn't go through, they're cheering it. Like, yeah, he couldn't do it. I told you, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. So they celebrate his failures. I'm like, you know, how sick is that as human beings go? But second thing is, he was saying that these people, the problem isn't with him, it's with themselves. But because he goes out and grinds and grinds and works hard and, and you know, pushes to achieve things, they look in the mirror and they're not doing those things. They're not pushing. But then they look at him and it makes them feel bad about themselves. Because this person is successful, when they look at themselves, they feel bad about themselves. And so they take that and they internalize it that he's a bad guy because of him. I don't, you know, I feel bad about myself. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with themselves. They're not doing the things they know they can do. They, they know they should do, but uh, they look at him. And so, you know, I look at this whole thing in the industry 
and there's only a few. It's like the the troll patrol, as I like to call them, the troll patrol. They pop up <laughs> like troll patrol. like little gophers pop up anytime somebody so, says something good about Kodiak Pro and have nothing but negative things to say. People have never used it. They never tried it, but they they have a lot to say. But those people, what are they doing? They, they're never doing anything. They're never doing anything to help anybody. They're never doing anything to raise the bar. They're never doing anything to push the industry forward, but they have a lot of negative things to say. And what does that say about them? It says that they're not happy with what they're doing. They're not happy with where they are. And then they internalize people like you, people like John, people like myself that are trying our best to make things better, to, to raise the, the industry standard. And they're like, screw those guys, you know? Oh, okay, whatever. But that's a mirror on them. Like their negativity really is saying who they are and where they're at in, in their journey in concrete. Absolutely. I think as well is, I think, I mean, as, as you know, John, I'm very vocal online. I to help people, you know, I, a lot of people don't realize I was a personal trainer, strength and conditioning. Are you in the side of your room right now? Where are you at? I am sat in my, well, sat at Ashley's office desk in, the, in yeah. our bedroom. You got to get closer to your microphone. You're way too far yeah. away. So what I was going to add to that, as long as he's trying to find his uh, audio settings. Yep. I agree with you. I think the other side is relevancy. You know, I mean, in an end, whether, you know, it calls a bunch of artists, I think it happens in, in a lot of musicians and a lot of these kind of things is there becomes this struggle for relevancy. And oftentimes to get your name out there, and I'm not saying this is the right way to do it, but a lot of times they, they'll jump on this hate-like demeanor. And we've seen this a lot over, especially the last six months or so. And, and I truly believe I don't think it's the right way of doing it, but I, I also truly believe it's it's a way of, at least for a moment, trying to become relevant or add to whatever relevancy they think they may have had. And um, anyway, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to take it from a different different point of view. And I think if I'm picking up on something you responded to, Martin, is we saw a customer up in Alaska make, well, at least from my point of view, a pretty cool... I don't know what an art piece, right? I mean, that thing was pretty yeah. cool. And you yeah. made a comment on it. And, um, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, adjusting or not, the comment that came out was basically like, you know, hey, negative. Well, it was negative, like, hey, you used to be a cool guy because you made concrete. But now that you made a comment based on the material you're using, and oh, and by the way, now this is all in one, you know, four words, but this is the general gist that now you're this sellout that's become just a salesman. So, you know, let's not take Martin's comment with a grain, well, you know, worth any grain of salt. Is that what you got out of it too? Me? I mean, can, is that any better, by the way, with the audio? I've you do sound, you sound much better now. Much better. Yeah. Cool, yeah. Yeah, so because long story short, the, the person in question, we have a, a relationship of banter, you know, back and forward. So I didn't take it personally from them. But I know there was people... Well, there will be people that have read that um, who agree with her. And that's, like I said in my comments, at the end of the day, just because now I happen to sell a mix that I you know, use for manufacturing, does that make me a sellout? You know, when I was recommending XYZ product before, what did that make me then? You know, I wasn't getting paid for that. What difference now that I'm getting paid? Um, you know, and the thing is, I'm not going to be a millionaire selling mix. That's not why I do it. I'm doing it because I want the best product over here for me, first and foremost, and then for other people. You know, you've seen me online. I help anybody. doesn't matter what country, creed, or where they come from, you know, Australia, UK, Europe, America. I just love helping people. That's, 
you know, that's just who I am. So, you know, and ultimately for me, bringing this mix over here, it's made our life easier and it's going to make the industry over here better because, you know, I said in the last podcast, I've said to you before many times on the phone, John, all boats sail high in a rising tide. And I firmly believe that the better concrete we all make in the UK, the better it is for me. Um, but at the same time, I know not a lot of people understand that train of thought, um, you know, and I'm not prepared to, you know, deviate from that plan of mine to improve the industry in the UK. <clears throat> What's the first line of my website on Concrete Design School? Uh, I'd have to go and check. Have I, have I stole another one of your designs? You just did. Like, you ju- no, you just, stole, you just stole another. Go to ConcreteDesignSchool.com. What is the very first line? I'm doing it now. The very first line. I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, nearly there. The concrete tide is rising. <laughs> A rising tide lifts all ships. Yes. Correct. Something we believe it to does. be true. And here we are, Martin it? Haddock. A rising tide lifts all ships. Something I believe to be true. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus Christ! I just, you guys, Jesus I got a phrase I need to coin. Good job. <laughs> You'll be saying concrete oh, is hard pretty it. soon. Yeah. Just wait. So, just wait. So I, I, I give Brandon his designs in the past. I then steal his designs in the future. John makes yeah. up words. So right. it's quite a good. It's like a triumvirate, a very odd one. <laughs> it's like three yeah, Stooges right everywhere. On. That is. Yeah. That's all right. Shularisms. So you just brought up the idea that now I have to think about this in a whole different light. So what you're saying is this was not haters hating. This was flirting. Oh, I've no idea. I mean, I've got long hair. I suppose I look like a girl. (laughs) You know, Martin, you were just suggesting, I'm going to use the word suggesting, you know, better concrete. Well, at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, what does that mean? I mean, to you, what does that mean? It's a good question, really. I mean, from a holistic, a holistic point of view, better concrete for me is, I suppose, something that I know I can put out of our shop that I know is going to, you know, truly last for a long, long time. Um, it's, 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 it's funny enough, my dad and I were talking about this the other day um, about Radmix. So you see me, John. I've sent you that video with that hammer tapping the tapping the concrete. It sounds like steel. You know, it's so dense. Yeah. And it's it sounds it sounds quite sad that I, I I did it again today for a friend of mine. I tap in the you know really hitting this panel of Radmix with this hammer, and it sounds like steel. I'm getting excited telling him on the video. Uh, my dad and I were saying this today. Until you use the mix, whether it be Maker's Mix or Radmix, until you use it and you see it in person when you demold in, it looks like a. It's hard to describe. It looks like a piece of stone. Um, if that makes sense, it looks like a piece of you know solid granite or marble in the sense of the quality of it. Um, it doesn't look washed out. It doesn't look you know. It doesn't look like concrete. You know, um, unless obviously you're going for that look. It, it's yeah. It's hard to. I find it hard to quantify how you know how much it's improved our product in the uh, in the shop. And it's the thing for us as well. Before when we were worried about, you know, flipping things over with, you know, flexural cracks or, you know, shrinkage cracks or this, that and the other, it's taken a lot of that stress away because it's so dense and it's so hard. You know, for example, I have at the moment two dining tables in our shop, one for a previous customer who has, you know, um, our GFRC, you know, wet polymer mix. So we had to color match it with his dining table because, you know, the kitchen and the dining table go next to each other. So we did that wet polymer and then we did um, like three or four of the tables in rad mix. And I, I kid you not, the three tables in Radmix don't have any bars in them, any scrim in them. They are just poured with AR fibers at three percent. 
um, and not a single Fletcher oil crack and nothing on them. Um, and the GFRC one that has a lot of basalt rods in it, left in them over two days, a little bit of accelerator in there as well to help it kick along. And there is a, a couple of flexure oil cracks, nothing major, like little tiny ones. You can't see them once sealed um, on the edge, you know, and, and that, that genuinely the first time I was kind of surprised at the strength, even though you tap with a hammer and you see how strong it is when you genuinely see it yourself in that regard that's when i was genuinely surprised and it took me back to the video of joe bates and um uh, john bass when they're bouncing on that panel of makers mix or rad mix in his shop with a few fiber rods yeah. in it it's just bouncing up and down yeah you know that was it just took me back to there thinking you know this is genuinely you know the real mccoy you know these guys aren't just excuse my friends you know bullshitting everybody i knew that anyway you know use it enough to know that but you know you have to use it to understand it for yourself. And I think people, certainly friends in my circles, that I'm constantly saying, just try it, you know, just try the mix, you know, trust me, once you've tried it, you'll you'll get it, you'll see. Um, you know, and a few of them have, you know, tried it and can see for themselves. Like Andy, who came to your shop, your demo day, uh, one of my best friends in the UK, he's, you know, using Radmix at the moment and he yeah, texts me a picture of the day. Andy, uh, Andy at Gecko, yeah. yeah, 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 lovely, yeah. him and Sophia, they own the business, lovely people, genuinely nice people, but he's using it, he's ringing me today saying, my God, this mix is amazing, um, you know, and the proof's in the pudding at the end of the day, and that's the thing that makes me giggle a little bit sometimes about the industry as a whole, it's like, if you don't believe us, and it, you know, why don't you just buy the mix and prove us wrong, all of us, not just, you know, me, you and, you know, uh, John, Brandon, you know, prove everybody that's saying it's a great mix wrong, you know, show us right. that we're wrong. And ultimately, I don't think people can because they know it is doing what it says on the tin. Everybody listening, well, most people that know me listen to this know I love spraying. Okay, now one of my big things about not using um, other products in the past is because it would take me away from spraying. Okay, so you know I had this kind of how can I word it? I had this kind of not core belief, but you know one of those really I, I have to spray. You know I, I need to spray. Okay, so it was if I'm being truly like honest, all gag. It, you just you gotta yeah, have all yeah, gag. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so and and I, I listened to one of Brandon's podcasts. He talked about an e spray, and he realised that it was a bad way to make money in the industry. And that's not to say that spraying doesn't make money, because you know it does. Blah blah blah. But I remember him saying that years ago, and it always stuck with me. You know, went into my subconscious, went out the way. So anyway, Mad Mix comes along, Makers Mix comes along, and you know, I'm thinking, do I still need to spray this? You know, can I just pour it? You know, and and I'll be honest with you, that trepidation at first of you know, I shouldn't be spraying this small sink with like a three-inch vertical because I'll get holes everywhere if I don't. Um, you know, it did exist until I, I used it. And this is the genuine truth. I am about to cast for a customer that's chosen samples from a wet polymer mix. I'm about to cast tomorrow, like two big couches, fire tables, stools, and ice buckets, you know, not all in one go, but over the next few days. And I have to use a wet polymer mix and I have to spray it. And I said to my dad, I'm genuinely not looking forward to doing it. <laughs> um, and if anybody that knows me in the industry knows I love spraying, you know, that's what I like doing. But the, the ease of Radmix and the sand and cement we've put into a bag, you know, salmon, you know, the ease of that now, it's just, yeah, it's, I want to say I've become lazy, I've become kind of accustomed to the fact that I can just go, right, okay, I've got a thousand pounds to cast a day, I need X amount of Radmix, you know, 20 of my bags of sand and cement, this bit of plasticizer done, I can have that batched out in 10 minutes. You know, and then I can just dump it in the mold and walk away. And have relatively high expectation of the end product. 
where when I used to spray, especially, I think you're doing a lot of spraying, but in my shop, I had three, three or four people that worked in my shop back then when I did spraying, that we'd spray. So I'd spray, Brian would spray, Jeremy would spray, Sean would spray, and we all sprayed differently. We all had like different technique. We approached it differently. We'd blow sand out differently, whatever. It's different thicknesses. And the pieces were very inconsistent in a bad way, in a bad way. If I had to make 10 sinks for a university, five would look good. Five would look pretty bad. It was so inconsistent. And that's what I mean. It's a hard way to run a business. You get a sandy corner. You get a face coat that sticks to the form. You push through, you the, face through the face coats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any of those things happen. It just takes one, one of those mistakes to happen and you're recasting a piece where with SCC, once you get your mix dialed, the, the chances of recasting a piece drop dramatically. Maybe one in 20 or 30 you'd recast for some reason. Maybe, yeah. maybe. I, I'd say even less than that versus sprayed, which is going to be a much higher recast rate. If you're holding your work to a high standard, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to let that slide. We got to remake that piece. The good thing is, we I sprayed Brad Mix today, funnily enough, um, on, on a job, and you know it sprays like paint, and that's the biggest thing that surprised me. Like you know, old ECC mixes or whatever, you try and spray them, it'd be like trying to spray mud. Whereas, oh, exactly, so you know, sticky. Yeah, and honestly, I was. It's the first time I've sprayed properly with it on on a piece, and it sprayed like paint, and yeah. it genuinely surprised me how well it sprayed. And this is a conversation I was having a friend of mine in Malta. Big up, big shout to Mustache Brendan. Um, he, we were talking today and I said, look, the thing about this mix is that it does everything exceptionally well. It just, it doesn't do everything okay. And what I mean by that is, you know, a thought on mix I used, it would trowel okay, but, you know, wasn't the best. It would spray okay, you know, that's what it's for, spraying. So it sprayed okay. It would hand pack okay. It would SCC okay. And that's the thing. It was okay. You know, if you're SCC and you're never sure of the outcome, if you were trialing, it was it was horrible to trial. Um, you know, to be so patient, you had to wait for ages, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you were spraying, yeah, it turned out okay. Um, you know, that's what it's there for. It's there to spray. That's the point of the mix. Um, but still a lot of air you know, because of the polymer. Yeah, yeah. You still had a lot of air. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then hand packing the same thing. You'd hand pack okay. Whereas this, it, it does everything exceptionally well. So if I want to spray, I can spray. If I want to trowel, I can trowel. If I want to pour, I can pour. You know, and that's that's the thing for me is that it does it all, you know, and it, the results are what I expect them to be every time. So we did, the, obviously, the joke before about me and your ghost designer, Brandon, that's because, you know, we have a stealth bench. And hand on heart, I, I designed that, if you like, in SketchUp. We're still talking about back. this. We're still talking about yeah, this. Yeah, but you'll see why. So the nature, the nature of that mold, it's basically an open top mold cast right way up. So, you know, we were spraying, we were spraying part of the mold, you know, spraying the backside of the mold, assembling it all, SEC to the top, and then basically troweling the top off, okay? It was, it did what it needed to do, you know, and it did it okay. You know, trialing that GFRC top was horrible. You know, you'd have holes, you'd have voids, you'd have this. It just wasn't great. You had to stand around for hours. Whereas using it with Radmix, I can now SCC the entire thing, leave it short on the top, then use yep. you know a trial recipe on the top, and it trials superbly. But it takes like an hour to trial, an hour and a half, not seven or six or five hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that's that's what I'm trying to get through to people in the UK, especially at the moment. Say, just use it. And trust me, once you've used it, you'll see the capabilities of it. And that's what Joe Bates said to me ages ago. He showed me a piece kind of on the wraps. They did this beautiful outdoor kitchen and it used like three or four different techniques from the same bag. In the same bag. And it's like, wow, you know, 
yeah. it's, that's pr- pretty exciting. It is the Swiss Army knife. I know that's your line. I'm not. I'm not calling that. Don't look worry. At it, look, at it. <laughs> look at that. Yeah. It is. It is a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> it is. You know, yeah. you know, and I, I ribbed you the other day and say, look, Brandon, this is how you make a table-based mold. <laughs> you're, hang on, you're, you're like this. My dad and I poured the other one the other day and it yeah. fucking, the mold blew out. I know. Honestly, God, it started yeah. leaking out the mold. Yep. <laughs> my, dad said, my dad said that fella Brandon's a Joanna, like a British slang for like a, you know, a jinx. So I was like, oh. That's what you get for copying me. Perfect. You, you copy know, me, you're yeah, going to copy yeah. my imperfections as well. That's the downside. My shortfalls when it comes <laughs> to mold building. Something, two things, two things. One is you're right about spraying Maker Mix or Rad Mix because I, I haven't honestly sprayed concrete. It's probably been a decade since I've done a client project, at least that long. It's been a long time. But mm-hmm. John and I made some videos a while back uh, for the website and we were going to show how to do spray it. I'm like, oh, dude, I got to get this hopper down and clean yeah. it. It's you know, full of dust, but cleaned it. We sprayed it. Like you said, it sprays like you're spraying paint. It sprayed so good. And when I demolded it, you know what I remember from the old days of spraying Forton mixes with VCAS and Medicalin and all things we used to do back then was just the amount of air because that liquid polymer holds air. It doesn't matter if it's Concrete or Blendhouse or Trinic or Buddy Rose. You know, all these liquid polymer mixes hold air. It's just the nature of a liquid polymer mix. It just yeah, is just what it is. There's no way around it. And so when I uh, demolded the piece we did for the video that John and I shot, I was blown away because all the, all the things I hated about it back in the day, the end product when I demolded it looked beautiful, beautiful. Now, it doesn't negate the downsides of you drag the hose to the face coat when you're spraying or you get you know some sand buildup over here and you didn't see it and you sprayed over it and then you demold it and there's a sandy corner that flakes away. There's still those opportunities for imperfections that you'd have to recast. But as far as sprayed goes, it looks Insane. Insane in comparison to the old mixes we used to use. Second thing was that stealth bench that you ripped off from me. That stealth bench, <laughs> the way we did it in a class was we poured it upside down SEC uh, yeah. post-tension. And the post-tensioning rod yeah. is really cool because we, we uh, calculated, more or less, we calculated where the stresses would be and we oriented the cable that goes through it, the rod that goes through it, to counteract those those stresses in those particular areas. And there's different stresses in different spots. And yep. it uh, it's oriented. It, it looks like a roller coaster running through that piece. But it came out so cool at the end of the day. And people are still blown away. That's post-tension. They come in here like, this is post-tension. I'm like, yeah, look underneath. You'll see it. You'll see the, the tightening cable. Um, it's on the bottom of the foot. But it's really, really cool. So there's different ways to skin a cat, you know. Anyways. The stealth pins we've done, we haven't post-tensioned it because it's obviously right side up. and uh, So we just used... A lot of basalt rods. I think I posted a picture on Facebook. So there's quite a lot about basalt rods in there. And there's, we had about, well, we got one outside to test. We got a, um, uh, probably going to part like half a ton in the center. But so far, we've had about 400 kilo, about 800 pounds parked on the top of it, and it's not moved. So, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's incredibly strong. And the thing is, using this mix now, it's going to be even stronger. So, uh, which is a problem, John, because I must say, sometimes when I'm wet polishing, so I still like to wet polish certain pieces if I'm getting my kind of caught and look, you know, I like to have that you know, really good tooth staining mm-hmm. and I'm polishing and it's taking forever with the planetary and I'm cursing you sometimes, John, thinking, hmm, well, that's what I was going to so, say, yeah. It's so yeah, hard. It's going to take, take longer, <laughs> yeah. Let me put it this way, I'm glad I've got a planetary and not doing it with an air polisher or a flex because it would take me a long time. So, yeah. Hey, question for you, Martin. Have you tried the new vinegar uh, wipe before you seal? 
Yes, funnily enough. So I've just cast one of the curve tables um, on Saturday with my dad, cast it in pink. And I messaged John this morning and said, can I prime, come out the mould today, it's been wet polished today. Can I prime this today and seal it if I need to? Not because I'm in a rush, nothing like that at all. It's just a question, can I? And John said, absolutely, let it dry and then just give it a quick vinegar wipe down um, and then prime it, which I've done. And went well the prime apps went on great set apps went on great so yeah it seemed to go well i mean it made me want to eat fish and chips but that's uh <laughs> probably a british thing <laughs> well i did it for this table that we're shipping out i had to get shipped out before this class starts next week and i did it for the first time the vinegar wipe for the first time three days ago i think four day, three days ago i don't know something like that yeah it was a couple of days ago when and you called me yeah, it went off perfectly. I did a little bit differently than John recommended or he outlined. What I did is I diluted 50-50 vinegar and water in a spray bottle, and I got a microfiber rag. I got it wet. I wringed it out till it was, you know, all the excess water out, and I, then I misted it with a vinegar-water mixture. And then I just misted the surface of the table and the base, wiped it, and uh, wrang it out, and then just wiped it again so it's like a nice, thin, like, you know, cleaning glass, nice, thin layer, let it dry. Yeah. Went off perfectly. Yeah. The one thing I would say, and I talked to John about this, and I don't know what your experience has been, is I went through the whole process. I rolled the prime steps, back rolled them, meaning I applied it with the white scotch bright, let it soak in, then back rolled it off. Looked beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Got to the satin steps where I'm hand applying those. And the satin steps, hand applying, I got a little bit of, of streaking, circular streaking, because I'm applying it with a microfiber. I could see it. And I called John. I'm like, hey, can I, can I, uh, back roll that last one off, like, you know, apply it with a white scotch right and back roll. I was like, yeah, for sure. So I did that, came out beautiful. Like it, it is so uniform and just nice, matte, clean, no swirls, no anything, just clean, matte surface. It looks so good. So good. So what's been your experience with that? Well, I can only speak on the table I've done today. Uh, that's the first time I've done it. And to be fair, it's fine. You know, it worked you know, like I always thought I call a protect coats or a satin coats, you know, like cleaning glass. I think you do as well. I think that's what I could, the phrase from John. I'm not going to steal any more phrases on this podcast. Then to win? Um, then to win? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To win. That's, yeah my, that's, my, that's my slogan. I have, I have a trademark <laughs> on that. Then to win. It's a true um, See, mine's yeah, fat and funny, and I've been following that in my person. <laughs> <laughs> that must be a COVID phrase. No, <laughs> on the uh, on the on the curve base, it was fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. On a, on, I'll let you know when I, when I do a dining table top um, next week. It might be different, but on the curve base, it was okay. But then it's curved, so um, yeah, it it worked perfectly. But then again, even even the old ICT version three, it's on Ashley's desk in the showroom, and that was probably one of the first things I sealed with ICT at the time. Um, when was it two and a half years ago and the showroom um kitchen worktop as well and yeah it was it was probably not ideal conditions when i sailed with it and at the time i had a few wipe marks and i just buffed them and then put another coat on it was perfect in other words it was easy to rectify the idiot applying it which is me and that's the that's what yeah. i like about it you know uh, well, the other thing is like my kitchen island at my house, when I applied it, I had the final steps. I had kind of some circular streaking I could see in raking light. You wouldn't see mm -hmm. it just looking at it, but if you got in the right light, you could see it. But just through use of cleaning it with Windex with vinegar and just the use, it goes away. It doesn't take long for it to just completely yeah. even out just through use. But that being said, the back rolling that last, that last coat just evened it out so nice. Back in the day, I used to fog it with HVLP. 
when it was first yeah. seals. Sean, if I remember correctly, did you say I could fog satin the last coat? It's not, it's not a ceiling coat. Yeah. It's just a fog no. coat. And you're not applying it yeah, like paint. One. You're not like trying to apply mm-hmm. like three mils like you're painting a car. You're just putting HVLP and you're, you're high up above the piece and you just create a fog and let it settle. Like yep. settle on the surface. And all it does is create little micro specks that harden. And all it does is even mats it out, just evens it out. And then when you look at it in raking light, it's just dead matte, looks beautiful. But I used to do that with fur seals. I haven't tried it with satin yet. Yeah, it'll work well. I think, you know, the, the, the fear with a lot of people doing that is, or I shouldn't say the fear, it's just what you just said. The idea is, could I spray this on and it's going to add to protection? No. No, it's got nothing no. to do, zero to do with protection. I mean, fogging it in the air essentially is letting all that, micro droplet is almost to an extent drying. So once it just falls onto the surface like a fog, it is nothing more than aesthetics. Yeah. Nothing. Like yeah. a dry, but it's like a dry spray. And extremely hard. I mean, we're not talking about something that's going to be easily taken off. So it becomes part of the surface and it, and it'll last. Yeah. Like Martin, if you ever, for instance, sometimes I have a really smooth fiberglass form, like a sink. But there's some mm-hmm. micro scratches in the fiberglass. When I cast the concrete, I demold it. I do my whole thing. But when I seal it, I can see those micro scratches in the surface of the concrete because it's in the mold and it transfers to the concrete because it's a mirror. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in those instances, when it's all said and done, I'm done sealing. This was back in the day. Like I said, I haven't tried it with satin yet, but I used to do the first seals. Back in the day when I was done with the first seals, all the steps are done. If I could still see some of those scratches that were in the form, I would fog it. Just fog it on the surface. And it would completely hide everything. It would be completely uniform, dead matte. You couldn't see any scratches. Because, yeah, it just creates a micro texture. If you look under a microscope, it's just like sandpaper, but microscopic. And it reflects yep, all it is. Yeah, it refracts the light in a thousand different directions. So it just, you don't see any of the imperfections. It's a really cool technique to get a very uniform surface when you need it, if you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, um, a friend of mine messaged me today. Um, Trev, job you've been speaking to, and he asked, you know, how how do you die down the you know protection kind of sheen uh, going outdoors? And I just essentially showed him the panels I've got outside of Radmix and uh, Makers Mix been out there for six seven months. And you know, this, if the weird thing about it is the sheen is still there, but it isn't. If that makes sense, it's like a very very soft kind of sheen now. It's matte, um, and I was I meant to. Um, Messaged you about this as well today, John. I've noticed that now when it's getting wet in the lovely British rain, um, that it's it's not darkening anymore. I mean, not to the extent that it was originally. So I assume the you know some mad chemistry Schulerism names um, I probably can't pronounce. I presume the water's obviously you know reacting with the sealer uh, because they genuinely it was raining today. Look at the panels, and they were beating water. It's like five hours in the rain. It was still beating water. And I noticed it hadn't darkened. There were like five panels, like light gray, medium gray, like a dark. And they were all kind of still at the base color before it gets wet, which surprised me. I was quite surprised by that. Um, oh, you'll continue to see that. I mean, that's in the history of me doing this. And again, mm-hmm. we're talking, hey, we're on sealer. In the history of me doing sealer, the difficulty has always been for people to, let's say, to get the information, you hear it from us all the time, like, you know, right? We all talk about setting client expectation. and mm-hmm. But in my opinion, a lot has to do with you understanding your own expectations to be able to set a client's expectation. So yeah. there's a lot of products people would 
go to because their thought process was, I just need this to be what it's going to be so that when I get paid for it, I don't care what it's like in six months. I, I don't mm-hmm. care how this thing looks in a year. You know, most people like I'm never going to go back. We've talked about this a lot for companies that want to do not want to go back and do reseals. They don't want to hear from another client. And I've always had a very different thought process about that. So the plain and simple thing is ICT, this this chemistry, which would be in a reactive chemistry, will as long as there's CO2 in the air and a readily available moisture, simply wiping down countertops and so forth, then it'll continue to respond and the reactions will continue to happen. So six months later, you have a top that's better than it was six days after you apply. You know, another six months, two years, whatever, it continues to adapt, even to the point, and I know we've talked about this and kicked this dead horse a a thousand times, even to the point that the surface has been worn, right, from whatever, Mm. you still can't see the surface. Yeah, it's worn. You can see this kind of leathery patina that's happened to it, but you still can't hurt it. And that's a completely different product. But, you know, in the history of me doing this, it takes people to understand that for themselves as well and feel comfortable with that as opposed to, you know, putting a plastic film on and saying, hey, it's done. I want to get paid, which we all want to get paid, but um, a totally different subject. In fact, when I get back from the workshop, there's a house not far from me. Funny, My funny story, I was actually on a phone call with someone in Santa Cruz and it went sideways. Another someone else was calling in. It turns out it was somebody calling me for work. And they had bought a house here in Murphy's who had had concrete countertops in this done by somebody else. And let's just say they're in they're in rough shape. So I went over there and took a look at these things. And just that, since I know who did these and I know every part of the, the products that were used, it's the exact situation. I guess she actually did call them. They don't want to touch them. Well, they know they don't want to touch them because they don't want to take the old topical off. It's scratched through. It's worn in these spots. Can't do anything about it. So they're going to pay me to come in, completely rejuvenate these things. I got to take some diamonds to them and the whole nine yards. I'll run mm-hmm. ICT and they're not going to be brand new. We're going to give them a whole new life is what we're going to do. But my point being is, this is a technology that can handle that kind of stuff. So, anyway. Well, just to very quickly hit on that, um, when uh, when Joe was on his last podcast, Joe Bates, he said that he goes into California every year and, you know, at, I may be misquoting him, but, you know, reseals the outdoor, you know, ICT stuff. And I'll be, I'll be honest, at the time I said to you this to you privately, John, I said, you know, that kind of, for me, my, a lot of our work is in is in London, so that's like a four-hour trip one way from us, mm-hmm. or it's up in Edinburgh in Scotland, and that can be four to eight hours one way. So the thought after I heard that at the time was like, oh bloody hell, you know, that's that, that's a uh, I, I can't, I haven't got the time. Even if I was getting paid for it, I don't have the time to go and do that. And then it came kind of full circle when um, Andy was over at your demo day and he was looking at your concrete outside, Brandon, and he was like asking you how old it was. You're like, you know, five years old. And then you actually brought it up on a podcast and you said, you know, I've got tops outside that are five, six, seven years old, you know, sealed back then with ICT, not been touched since and they're perfect, you know, and that's, you know, a reason I, 
anybody that knows me in this industry, I will try some of myself first and I will test it myself, be it strength, casting with it, you know, processing it, sealing with it. I'll test things myself. That's the best answer, mm-hmm. right? So those panels were stood up outside six, seven months ago, you know, for, for rain runs or anything like that. Any any marks, no puddles, anything. You know, we stand on them, we stand them up, we put them on the floor, you name it. They, we abuse them and they are they are mint, you know. And that that took that worry away from me because I, you know, like I said, I don't have the time to go to London and reseal stuff once a year, you know. And then well, you say that, you say that. So bringing up that particular incident, because, yes, you did ask me about that. Mm-hmm. We've encouraged this. We've we've talked to other companies who have made these part of their business. And that was, and I get I get what you're saying. I get like, even if I got paid, well, but what if you made it a part of your business and you had employees that did it? So what Joe has done, in my opinion, smartly so, well, first of all, he lives in Napa. So he has a clientele that will literally pay him to come out once a year and I think Joe even said in the podcast, like sometimes it's just nothing more than him cleaning the countertops, like because they're under <laughs> an oak tree or something. And yeah. but that's okay. They don't want to deal with it. So he comes yeah, out, he gets paid for it. Yeah, he'll he'll clean them off, wipe them down, maybe, maybe not, apply some sealer, you know, because he doesn't want to be there for 20 minutes and you know get paid a thousand dollars. So that's what it's about. Now I will oh, tell you, yeah, and I'll tell anybody. You know, over the years, I have adopted that into my business. I have no problem going to other places. I forget. I was just talking to somebody like, oh, man. Oh, that's right. It was Jason. He's like, oh, you're brave. And I'm like, no, it's 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 really not. I mean, I can go in there with my Festool now. Um, I just got some new pads in. Those, whole, those pads that we talked about, I don't know how long ago that I'm working with this diamond company. The first ones weren't quite aggressive enough. So I had them, we, we redid them. They're more aggressive. I just got some in. No, I, I don't think it's brave, man. I Honestly, I think, it, I mean, you have to get comfortable with it. Of course, I was scared to begin with as well. Shoot, mm-hmm. now I just go in there with the Festool, you know, all hooked up to a vacuum, rip everything off. I won't, I mean, I won't touch old epoxy countertops. Those are a nightmare. But anything old acrylics or urethanes, man, you blast right through them. You mm-hmm. you know, talk to the clients beforehand because there's no question that I'm bringing these a new life. They are not going to look like they did before. Um, mm-hmm. But I have yet not to walk out of there and I charge pretty well for it. I mean, let's, you guys, I'm just being straight with you. I don't walk in there for 10 bucks an hour. Um, so I charge pretty well for it. And every time the client is just blown away. And sometimes I don't even know why. It probably costs them less just to put new tops in, quite frankly. But they don't want their kitchen turn up, you know, torn apart or don't want yeah, the yeah. backsplashes pulled out or whatever the case may be. So, Anyway, I got one of those coming up when I get back from uh, the workshop. And but, uh, those people own a private jet. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They don't it's care. pocket change. Yeah. You come out there and you think you're like raking it in. They're like, bro, yeah. <laughs> we right. found some change yeah. underneath the couch. Yeah. We tossed it to you. That's that's pretty much yeah. the equivalent <laughs> of it. Let me say this. The, the countertops at my house, in my kitchen, in my bathrooms, um, at the house that I built, it's the older version of ICT. And it's before Prime. And we sealed them up and I put them in and we started using them almost right away. And my wife like took hot cup of, uh, of, 
coffee or tea and put it on the countertop and left left it there for I don't know 30 minutes an hour or something like that. Lifted up and left a ring because there was you know a lot of heat and steam that built up underneath it for an hour on these freshly sealed countertops. But since then, it left a mark, and that mark is slowly fading. But since then, they've become completely impervious to anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Barbecue sauce, vinegar, oil, olive oil spills on it, ketchup. It doesn't matter what it is. My girls take the soap off. I have a little uh, soap dish in their bathroom. They take the soap dispenser off, and they put it on the sink, and they leave it. And I go in there, and I'm like, girls. I mean, they're three and five. The soap dish is here for a reason. Leave it on the soap dish. Oh, sorry, Dad. You know, whatever. They're just doing their best to destroy the concrete. And I tell them, it's easy to replace a soap dish. It's hard to replace the sink. Like, it's easy. I can make another one of these pretty easily, but I don't want to remake the sink. Like, do me a favor. Keep it on the soap dish, right? But uh, all that being said. Three-year-olds don't listen, man. You'd think a three-year-old would get it. They, they don't, don't get care. it. They don't care. But <laughs> the tops are bomber, bomber. But they weren't initially but they have become in time. Now, where I'm going with this is with Prime, which Prime didn't exist when I did those. The Prime supercharges the mix. And so you don't have that lag. You don't have that, you know, four to six weeks of, hey, be really careful with these. Don't put a hot coffee mug on there because it might leave a ring or don't put your, that, soap to, that soap on there because it might leave a spot. The Prime is, you know, kind of the, uh, the new secret weapon. So that being said, I look forward to my next property making countertops, making sinks, using Prime, using Protect, using the vinegar wipe that John discussed in the last podcast, and having much, much more robust results much earlier on than we used to get. Because like I said, now my countertops in the sinks in my house are completely impervious to anything. I mean, they are wife-proof, child-proof. You cannot destroy them. Despite their best efforts, they hold up beautifully. The showroom works that we've got, pure white. Um and I mean pure white. It was a dolomite sand ascent to you, John, I said don't use. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the time, yeah, so they are pure white and they are immaculate. And this is well, ICT version one, I think it was. You sent over way back then. Um, well, it's so, not version one. I used version one in 2010. Yeah. Version 1.2379. Yeah. 2010 yeah. or 11 yeah. is when I used it. And it was a iPhone. white, white. Uh, conference table at my office is the very first piece I ever sealed with the ICT. And that piece till the day I sold it was completely bomber, completely bomber. We had classes, beer, whiskey, Coca-Cola, ketchup, pizza sauce. Didn't matter what it was. People would leave stuff on it. People would leave stuff on it intentionally, I think, to see if they could get it to stain. Like yeah, just class. like they do at the workshops now. Yeah. 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 And, he t- and yeah. he told me that. He told me a story that people like, like tomato sauce and leave like a piece of paper hidden over it. Yeah. In the class. Dude, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start kicking people in the balls <laughs> to do that. I'm going to go around. If anybody does that, I'm kicking in the balls. Do not do that. It's such a dick move to do. But that being said, people used to do that at my old shop. They would pour stuff and leave it. And I'd find it the next day. I'm like, son of a bitch, who does this? But it would come right off, and it was pure white. And until the day that I sold it, it was pure white. And I assume today it's still pure white. I don't know. It sold to an architect, and they put it as an outdoor dining table at their office. But, uh, yeah, it was that was truly version one of ICT. I mean, that was 12, 12 years ago, probably. So, yeah. yeah. It was a while, yeah. It is, we'll say version one. It's the just before Prime came to, exist, or came to existence, or as John yeah. says, came to fruition. Came to fruition. Uh, post PS1. PS1 yeah. was was a dark time for me with ICT, but post PS1, pre-prime. 
is where it was. Is, it, is this is this ITC now you're talking about? <laughs> I, I lose track. That's when it switched. That's when we switched. Uh, right. So that's when John okay. had this epiphany. Epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Switching two letters around. Fantastic. Yeah. I got on the phone one day with Dusty Baker, who got mad at me. I'm like, Dusty, <laughs> what do you think? Oh, John, why don't you just do this? I don't want... All right, it. so I did it. And uh, here we all are today. Yeah. So No, in all honesty, that is a 100% true story. Dusty Baker had a thought. And John took it to the next level. He's like, hmm, hmm, I didn't really think about it like that. And he, he started down that path because Dusty threw that idea out there to John. Turned out to be, you know... Game changer, complete game changer. ICT went from being a great sealer to a phenomenal sealer through that process. So, yeah. And that's what's that's great about all of us getting together is with different backgrounds, different ways of approaching things. This is what I like about this community is there's times that if we just listen to each other and don't dog on each other, you know, I mean, some great things can happen. And there's a perfect one. Talking to Dusty, boom. Hey, you know what? I get in my tunnel vision too, man. So, hey, hadn't thought about it from that point of view. Okay. Or even the latest one with like, great. You know, what if we, you know, bring that pH down in the concrete to begin with? There has to be something here. And, and well, there you go. One more step. It's so, that, that's what I enjoy about all this. So that's it's come to fluition in my mind. Yeah. That's, well, that's one of the reasons I like helping people because you can always learn something from anybody, even if it's how not to do something. Yeah. So, you know, we have the, the concrete club in the UK, as we call it, There's about 15 of us, you know, that help each other out, you know, WhatsApp group, Facebook, whatever. And, um, you know, we've learned so much from each other, you know, little things, big things, things you wouldn't think of. And, you know, if, if I had never have networked with people or reached out to people, you know, we wouldn't have that, you know, and that's, that's one of the amazing things about opening up yourself to other people um is that you know you can learn a lot from them um you know that's but we've spoken about, spoke about this before john i see a lot of parallels between the fitness industry that i was involved in for you know, 12 years um oh, the drugs <laughs> yeah the drugs yeah hard drugs yeah a <laughs> line before casting a line a day keeps the cast away um but yeah you know it, there's a lot of parallels um you know to this industry and that industry so believe as believe it or not Hey Martin, did you did you listen? Did you see the live stream where my forum came apart? Were you watching that when it happened? I was watching it, yeah, and then Jesus. the camera just went off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just I just I clicked. knew someone was wrong. Oh my god! <laughs> total total amateur hour. Yeah, I just had to click it off, move because it was like literally spreading across the floor. I had to move the tripod out of the way, but it went under everything. It got in everything. It went under my forklift or my skid steer. It got into the forks. Got into the track saw. Got under my cabinets. Went everywhere. But th- I mean that's. That's life. That's what happens. If you do this for a living, you're going to have stuff like that happen. It's just part of it. And you learn from it. You learn from each Absolutely. one. So, you know, Uplift. We, we had it. I was going to say, Uplift was something I wasn't concerned with, but because there wasn't really any chance for Uplift. But apparently there was. There was like a sixteenth of an inch that concrete got under. And all it took was that to pop those screws. Try it up and blow it out. And yep. there you go. We had the same thing on a totem sink. And... Uh, was pouring it uh, with an employee and Kerry. And <laughs> I still laugh now. It's kind of a joke in my shop for how I can be a bit daft at times. And anyway, pouring the mix, literally, as it always is, a couple of inches from the top. And I go to literally get another scoop out the bucket and look in the mold, and it's gone. 
And I was like, where's it gone? And Terry's like, I don't Where'd know. Where'd it go? And so, on, wait there, God. <laughs> I started looking on the floor. I'm looking on the floor, looking under the pallet. And I said, like, I don't know where it is. It didn't occur to me that it may have blew out the internal form and gone uh, up in there. I kept looking for God. it on the floor. Dude. Honestly, I'm looking around like a right wally because your head's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've told this story on, on the podcast. I did a cast in place, board formed fireplace at a restaurant in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona is where it was. Cast in place, board formed, probably, I don't know, four or five cubic yards. It was a huge fireplace, solid. There was no block out, but there was a through hole through the, through the fireplace. So it was all the way through. So when you're sitting in a restaurant, you could see through the fireplace out into, you know, the city essentially. And so that was a void that we built that was in our form. And then we had all the rough sawn wood that was in the form and all perfectly aligned, just right. Everything was perfect. And we had all the rebar and we'd shored up the form. We had whalers and strong backs and kickers and ratchet straps and everything, right? We're doing a traditional concrete mix from a truck and a pump was there. Now, mind you, I didn't know this when, I, when the contractor hired me and we did it. But the day that we poured it was the opening night for the restaurant, okay? So we're pouring it like at 2 in the afternoon. They're open at 5 p.m. for the very first service. dinner, And this is a nice restaurant, like fine dining, right? So opening night, opening service is like 5 p.m. We're, we're pouring it like 2 in the afternoon. So I show up and there's like waiters putting white tablecloths and like silverware on tables and glasses. I'm like, what the f- going on here like they're on the patio that we're working on and they're all dressed nice with you know ties and everything i'm like what is going on they're like yeah we're no we're, we're gonna open tonight at five i'm like so truck shows up pump shows up i start pumping it in pump 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 pump, pump, pump. fill it up 95 percent, 95 percent. we have a vibrator on the form a traditional concrete vibrator like a rotary vibrator you know it's got a ball that spins in it but it's it's for precast concrete Attach to the form, hit it. You can see the air coming up. Looks great. All of a sudden, hear a huge, it sounds like a gun going off. Bang, pop. The whaler at the very bottom exploded on the form. There was a knot right in the middle of that whaler. And it was a weak point, and we started vibrating it, put pressure on it, and it exploded that whaler, right? Well, when that happened, the form opened up, I don't know, a quarter of an inch, and that was enough for all that concrete to go into the void for the fireplace, just like what happened with you. So the concrete drops all the way down, like, I don't know, a foot. Where'd it go? It didn't come out the bottom. No, it went in to the fireplace where it's not supposed to be because there's a void there. So anyways, the, uh, the pump guy's like, hey, man, I got an idea. He's like, let me take off. And this guy was nice enough too. He's like, because we, oh, here's the thing. We ordered enough concrete to do the pour, not enough for a failure. So we ran out of concrete and we're like a foot short from the top like 12 inches short from the top. He's like, let me take off my t-shirt, put it in the hose, and then we'll put water behind it. We'll push all that concrete that's primed in the hose out, and that should do it. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, let's do it. So he he takes his (laughs) t-shirt off, sticks it in, starts putting water in the pump, pumping it. No, dude. The water goes right around the t-shirt, and all of a sudden it's like a fire hose blowing, you know, concrete water into my form, (laughs) filling it up with water. It's like a lake of water in my form. I'm like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't do anything. You can't do anything. You just got to let it be. So like I try to like scoop out as much water as I can, like off to the not non-restaurant side, like off into the dirt on the other side. And I told the, the 
contractors that hired me, dude, I'm sorry. Like, this is not, we didn't anticipate a whaler exploding, you know? Like, we didn't anticipate concrete going into the knockout. We ordered the right amount of concrete, blah, blah, blah. We, it's reinforced properly. Everything is proper. Just luck of the draw. That bottom whaler had a knot dead center and it, it popped. And uh, anyways, yeah, it came up being a foot short. Now, nobody knew that. Like, end of the day, the restaurant didn't know. The customers don't know. They look at it like, oh, that's supposed to be six foot tall, not seven foot tall. Whatever. They don't know. But uh, we end up spending, let's say, two, three days jackhammering concrete out of the inside of that Ugh. that uh, concrete fireplace because it all just went inside. Just a mess. Just a mess. But you learn these lessons. You learn these lessons. Yes. One by one, you learn. Hopefully. And, you know, I learned my lesson with that, but I didn't learn the lesson with uplift, which now I know. Now, I'll never make the mistake again. I always put 10 times too many screws in and never risk it again. Concrete is the, uh, is the test before the lesson. It is. <clears throat> Somebody hit me up indeed. on Instagram yesterday, the day before. I want to say he's in the UK. I think he's over in the UK. But he hit me up and he's like, hey, you know, he had like a, essentially a console table he wants to pour that has waterfall legs, SCC. What does the form look like? And I said, listen, dude, go to my TikTok, Hard Goods. Um, that's my name on TikTok. Go to my TikTok, find me. There's a video of the form. You can watch it. You can see. You can see my form. I said, do it and, you know, just be prepared for form failure and you'll learn from it. Be prepared yeah. that your form will fail, even if you do what I did. The form will fail, but you'll learn a lesson and you won't make that same mistake again and you'll get better and you'll get better and you get better. And that's just the process. That's the process. There's no way around it. Come to a class. You'll have a shortcut. We'll cut out some of the those learning mistakes. But inevitably, when you go back to your shop, you'll do something. Something's going to go sideways. You're going to learn from it. And that's just the process. Yeah, yeah. there's a lad who called Danny. He's become like a kind of friend in the industry. And he posted on the Kodiak page a while ago now from the UK. Um wanting to use a product. Anyway, fast forward to now. He is in about 45 minutes from us. So he comes down quite a lot now. And this dude is a plumber. And he spent a year making a fiberglass mold for a fireball. And the fireball, the mold he's built, I am genuinely, I was genuinely surprised. Me and my dad were really surprised what he's managed to build. So it took him a year, um, as he said. But, you know, it's, it's an incredible mold that he's built with no experience of it at all. And he will, you know, he'll clarify this himself. I have said to him from day one that I've been helping him and speaking to him, you know, with concrete, do your best not to panic because the moment you panic with it is a moment shit goes wrong. And the first time he casts his fireball, <laughs> he panics because he doesn't wipe off his mold release. So it's all sliding down the form's hand-packed. It's all sliding down the form. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> he said, next minute, he looks at his watch. When he managed to fix it, it's like, you know, one, two in the morning. He's been in there for like six hours <laughs> trying to fix this thing up. And, uh, you know, he ran me up like he ran me up the next day. I was like, I panicked. And I said, well, that's the thing. You know, you have to go through that. There's no good me just telling you, you have to go through the experiences to learn from them. You know, experience is always going to be the best teacher, um, you know. And ultimately, it doesn't matter, you know, if I ring you up, Brandon, ask you a question or John or anybody in this industry, until I physically do it myself, I am not going to have, you know, that knowledge. You have to do it yourself. And that's the big thing I tell anybody in this industry. Just don't be afraid of failure. Just do it. You know, and that's one of the things, I, you know, my dad said I'm mental for some of the jobs I quote and take on. But it's that challenge. And I know that sometimes it's going to go wrong and it is going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot when we have had to remake some big, you know, islands or big pieces or intricate pieces it really hurts as you both full well know but 
like I always say to my dad now, you know, you can't change it. It's gone wrong. Let's fix it. How do we do it better? You know, what we learned from it. Um, you know, yeah, I've heard you joke before on the podcast, Brandon, about, you know, throwing things across the shop. I very much used to be the same. Like I threw a hopper gun once um, across the shop, picked it up and then snapped it in half. <laughs> I got that angry. I don't know how the Dude, hell I, I did it I to broke a concrete tub once because I couldn't get the mold out. Yeah. I just finally pushed the tub <laughs> off the table. I was like, and push it off and broke the tub because I, I ran out of patience back then. Now, I, yeah. you know, I'm like a monk. I could be there all day. I don't care. But back then, it didn't pop in the time period that I allotted in my mind. And I got pissed and I broke the, the tub because I, I couldn't wait any longer, you know. It, it, it's amazing how this industry, this material forces you to be patient and to calm down. And so my dad is still in that stage where he gets really annoyed by it. Um, you know, but slowly he's like, it's, it's becoming less and less. And it's funny because I was like that, um, for a long time getting so pissed off, but I think you realize now it is what it is. I can't change it. Yeah, it is what it but is. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't change it. Let's just learn from it. So, uh, you know, there's one time yeah. I broke a popsicle stick, just literally snapped it in half. I was With that your big muscles. With my big, <laughs> big muscles. That's so, hot, It's probably a tree branch. Yeah. Well, the worst is, the worst is what happened to me with, with the forum failure last week on the Facebook Live. And what's happened to me in the past is your gut tells you, you walk by and you're like, your gut saying, you need to do this. And you're like, hey, shut up, gut. You don't know what you're talking about. And we're good. Right? Don't be a pansy. Don't yeah, be a pansy. Yeah, yeah. Nah, it's That's good. Fun. It's good. And you override your intuition. Your intuition knows. It's happened to me. The last big failure I had was a fireplace. It was a fiberglass form, the Triangulum Fire Pit. I posted a photo of it. It was like a, a dark gray, purpley color. It was really cool. I think it was called like Sedona or something. Anyways, it's Davis color, but I digress. It was a huge Triangulum fire pit and it was a custom form and it was fiberglass and when I was doing a fiberglass form the corners like the the edges of the triangle I thought I should add another layer of fiberglass right here like fiberglass tape essentially like two inch wide fiberglass but it's like eh, I think I got like three or four layers it's good it's good but my gut was saying dude add add a little bit more right here I was like nah it's good we pour it 95 percent full it splits on those edges. The edges that my intuition knew weren't strong enough, it split and all the concrete came out, right? Your gut always knows. And so once you get some experience behind you in this industry, when you have that intuitive warning go off in your mind, listen to it. It's there for a reason. It's saying, hey, dude, Put more screws in, add more fiberglass, add another Take a whaler, minute, man. grab a or clamp. You're the floor. Yeah. yeah. How many times do you think, man, I should put like a, a clamp on this form? Nah. It's going to be fine. You start pouring it like concrete starts spilling out the edge, right? And then you run over and get a clamp anyways, but now it's too late because the concrete got in between the form. And when you clamp it, it's not going anywhere. It's like when no. you need molded, it's got this edge you have to polish off. So anyways, intuition. Prevention is better than kill. My dad tells me all the time. Yeah. All 100%. the time. It's like, oh, tip. Martin, prevention is better than cure. <laughs> That's his exact voice as well. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's true. It's true. Like, you know, I told Aiden, it would take us five minutes to put more screws in that form. And what it take us? Three yeah. hours to, to clean and then another hour to recast? You know, so four hours Material of our life. wasted. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 600 pounds total, 650 pounds, whatever it was. Total mix that I threw out in the grass. My neighbor's grass, by the way, but he doesn't know that. Um, <laughs> I threw out in the grass. That's money down the drain, plus my, yeah. my laborer's time, plus my time. 
all that money down the drain added up is probably at least 1000 2000 Who knows what the real true cost of that remake was, but it was a lot. To say, yeah, but think of the cheering. I I heard some of the cheering and people raising their glass, especially (laughs) right there at the end. They're like, Yeah, I knew it, dude. Ah, He's not as good as he thinks he is. I knew it. He's mortal. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it's true, dude. I I remake more pieces than I care to admit only because I don't take the time to like add a clamp, to add another whaler, to add a, a ratchet strap right here, even though I know I need one. I'm like, eh, you're going to be good. Eh, just go ahead and wing it, bro. Best thing about this podcast for me has been the talk of failure because there's been many, t- we all post the best pictures on Instagram, Facebook, you sure. know, on, on, to the world. And not a lot, enough people talk about the failures they've had because, you know, for, for example, if I'm sat there behind my desk looking at your page, Brandon, or yours, John, or Dusty's, or whoever, and you look at the, you know, the amazing work that's installed, it's finished. You just think, wow, these guys have got it all figured out. It's just success after success after success. And here's me having to remake for this reason or that reason or this failures happen, be it seal and mix or whatever. So those, you know, not for me because I, you know, I speak to enough people to know we all have mistakes. But for the people, especially starting out, it's been, I think, for them to hear, you know, because, you know, you two are kind of, you know, well-known in the industry. So people for know that you two with all years experience still have those problems. I think that's truly important to speak about. And that's one of the things sure. I look forward to listening to. That's honestly, sometimes when I'm listening to you to talk about the things that have gone wrong, I'm just in the van, you listen to the podcast on the way to work or install. And I'm genuinely giggling to myself, but it's either happened to me or I can imagine it happening in what you're doing based on what, you know, I've, I've done in that situation. So you know, um, I love, you should have like literally one podcast one day, like a few of us on there, like five or six, just talking about things we fucked up <laughs> yeah. or got wrong. Well, I mean, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, it happens weekly. Something happens weekly yeah, yeah. that we, we learn from. But the thing about social media, and John are talking about this this morning, is it's a curated viewpoint. It's curated. Yes. You're seeing only what you want the people to see. You're seeing the finished piece. You're seeing it installed. You're seeing it lit just right. You're seeing it, you know, whatever. It's curated. And whether it's concrete or it's a lifestyle of being on a private jet or a yacht out in the ocean, you're only seeing what people want you to see. That's not their life. That's the curated version of their life. That's not their concrete company. That's a curated version of their concrete company. The reality is they're f***ing dumping 600 pounds of concrete in their neighbor's grass. (laughs) That's the reality, (laughs) right? That's what's going down. That's that's yeah. real life, but it is what it is, you know. Oh, my scrap man loves me. He's like, you got any more rubble for me this month? I'm like, yeah, loads here. Come and get the scrap. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Dude, the one thing I miss most, I was telling my uh, helper Aiden about this. I think maybe I talked about it. I can't remember, but my shop in Tempe, it was the city of Tempe waste management. So they had these trash trucks. They had the arms that were automatic. They would like pull up to the dumpster and lift it. The driver never got out. Here where I'm at now, there's a driver that gets out and hooks up to a winch and pulls it up. And he looks at what's in your trash and he'll pull stuff out and like leave it next to the trash can, like concrete. He's like, oh, you can't throw concrete away. And he sets it by the dumpster. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? He's like, I don't know, but I'm, we're, not, we're not taking it. We're not taking it. But yeah. in Tempe, they didn't do that. The driver stayed in a truck. He just pulls up. The arms go in. He hits a button. It goes up. We'd fill that dumpster up with concrete. We'd be waiting. Driver comes around the building, pulls up. You see him, you know, the, the arms go in and goes, we're like dying laughing because that truck can't lift it. We're like, oh, <laughs> it's going so slow. And you see the driver cussing. Oh, you sons of bitches. 
and then finally gets to the top. Boom! And you like see dusk everywhere. Dying. The best. The best. We loved it. But, you know, here in Arkansas, I don't have that, uh, that fun anymore. It's now, now we just got to throw stuff on my neighbor's property and hope he doesn't find it. So, <laughs> just bury it, yeah. Just bury it, yeah. Buddy Rhodes, a story he told me years ago was he went to RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, which is a very renowned design school. And he went there and he studied ceramics. And his master's project was he made a ceramic pinball machine full scale. The whole machine had the glass, the back glass, you know, all the bumpers and paddles and everything. It was all made out of ceramic. It was a a full-scale sculpture of a pinball machine, right? So he did it. He presented it. Uh, When the show was over, he took that pinball machine out to a farmer's field, dug a hole in a farmer's field, and buried it. Just buried it. Didn't tell anybody about it. Just buried it out in the field. And someday... 100 years from now, 500 years from now, 1,000 years from now, somebody's going to be digging in that field. They're going to be digging in that field. They're going to come across this ceramic pinball machine buried under the ground and wonder, what the hell? Where did this come from? What's the story behind this thing? And I love that story from Buddy because it inspires me. I hit a chair out in the desert once. And I have, Just thinking of that, yeah. Yeah, I have visions of taking furniture and helicoptering it to the top of a mountain to a place that's inaccessible by humans and leaving it there. Just so someday... 100, 200, 300 years from now, somebody's like, what the hell is going on here? There's like a chair on this pinnacle of some crazy peak that no man can get to, right? In the I middle of nowhere. In the middle of yeah. nowhere, yeah. I want to do that because Buddy inspired me to do that. So anyways, this is a great story about Buddy. All right, guys. Well, I got to get to getting. I got stuff to do. Martin, it's been great talking to you. Anything you want to hit before we go? Yeah, so um, um, anybody that wants to try Radmix uh, CT Prime Protect or Satin uh, Makers Mix as well or sa- our Salmon Blend, um, hit us up in the UK, uh, Designer Concrete Supplies. Ashley, um, Ashley's the boss when it comes to those things. I'm just the monkey. She's the organ grinder. Um, you know, please get in touch. We will be having a demo day probably early July, middle of July. So, you know, people need to look out for that because we're going to be showing quite a few techniques like, you know, verticals, you know, troweling, spraying. They're going to be showing all the things that you can do with the mix. Um, it's going to be a demo weekend, we think, and so Saturday and a Sunday. So a bit of food, um, obviously drinks, et cetera. So, yeah, it's going to be a pretty awesome. cool thing to see. So, um, yeah, if anybody wants a behind the scenes seat, behind the scenes look at our workshop, how we do things, how we're using the mix, ceiling, you know, that's going to be, you know, one of those times that you can come and see that. Um, in the flesh. <clears throat> yeah, we got a whole resupply headed your way here in a minute. When's it going to be? You said yes. July. Yeah, so it's probably going to be around about middle, think uh, middle, middle of July, um, around there. So hmm. um, I'm checking flights. I might come over there and that. just hang out to like drink beer and watch this whole thing go down. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, more than welcome to. <laughs> Dude, I need a vacation. Just sit in the corner. Yeah, who's man. this fella? Yeah. I'll bring a, I'll bring a camp like chair it. and have a little ottoman just and just sit there. Don't say anything. Yeah, don't say anything. Awesome. John, what do you got, buddy? That's it, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm going to see you out here in a week. So less than a week. It's Tuesday. Yeah. You're going to be here Saturday. So it's coming up a few days. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Last design school. Is it last, last one here, last one here. We're looking for a shop space in Wichita in in, the interim, depending on what we secure, we'll do classes at uh, dusty Baker's place in Tennessee or Joe, John, Schuler's place or Joe Bates. I don't know. I didn't think about or Joe, Joe Bates. Yeah. Yeah. In California. But uh, we'll definitely keep having classes. But this will be the last one here in Arkansas. Well, we want to bring you guys over here as well, hopefully, probably next year. 
to obviously have a course here. Um, you know, you, John, Dusty, um, even Joe, if he can make it all the way from Sully, Cal- sunny California. So, and obviously, you know, me and Ashley, you know, my dad, you know, we want to come over to one of your classes as well. So, um, yeah, that's one of our dreams to bring you over here. So, uh, fingers crossed. Well, we'll make it happen. One way or another, we'll get over there. All right, guys. Well, it's been a pleasure. Adios, amigos. Adios. Adios. Cheers, chaps. Bye-bye.